Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of The Growth Lab, a monthly podcast for ambitious go-getters, creative souls, and lifelong learners. I am your host, Maitane Zarate, and my purpose with the show is to exchange experiences, encourage positive change, and inspire healthy growth. If you're new around here, you might want to check out the archive and show notes at anchor.fm slash thegrowthlab. I hope you'll enjoy this shared path towards learning how to live more intentionally, improve ourselves, and get the fuel we need to get one step closer to our dreams and goals. And now, without further ado, the show. Hello, friends. Happy New Year. Happy New Chapter. Happy New Season. Welcome to the first solo episode of 2022. Hope you've all had a gentle and smooth transition into the new year and that you're excited for all the experiences and opportunities to come. Because, hey, that's a whole new 12-month container right in front of us that we can use to work on turning our ideas into reality. So I hope that you're ready to embrace new beginnings with me. And if you're not, if you're like, mm, not really feeling it, you know, like if these last two pandemic years kind of got to you, drained the motivation out of you, I think this episode can really help you get back into that mindset. You know, get enthusiastic and get hopeful about actually achieving your goals and improving. Although I can understand that sometimes the thought of planning out your year and setting goals can feel a little bit overwhelming. Especially if these last couple years you had ambitious milestones and maybe they ended up being forgotten or cancelled due to the pandemic. So I get it. And as I mentioned on the previous episode as well, where we were closing off the year with some of our biggest lessons, this time of the year can bring a lot of unnecessary pressure and expectations with it. So I'm going to repeat myself, but I think it's important. And I'd like to bring the reminder to the table that you should do things at your own pace. You're not in a race with anyone else. So do them when you feel ready. There's no need to align with the rest of the planet and their New Year resolutions. In fact, I think New Year resolutions kind of suck. And I'll explain why in a minute. But what I really want you to understand first is that whether you're listening to this episode right after it's been released or later in March, August, whenever, you can really pick any time of the year to start fresh and with new intentions. You choose when you need to hit that reset button. So yeah, just a reminder to dive into this process whenever it feels right for you. Because in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you from start to end, step by step, the exact method that I'm following to plan my goals and set the structure and focus for this new year. The great thing is that there's no timestamp to it, no deadlines, so feel free to make use of it whenever, really. I'm aware that probably to some people, this method might seem a bit too much. It might even seem unnecessary to create a full-blown system around your intentions, values, and goals, and that's okay. We're all different, and not everything is for everyone. So who is this for, then? Well... I think that this method is particularly valuable for the people who've got big projects and goals that they'd like to achieve this year, but that they're also kind of a little bit chaotic in their minds, you know, and dispersed and just have their minds everywhere. And 
you know, those big goals or projects can be anything from creative passion projects or career growth and development to also something more personal, like wanting to to improve yourself, change your life around in some ways, taking pressure off, being more compassionate to yourself, maybe building better habits, procrastinating less, being more productive, or prioritizing your mental and physical health. If you want to work on any of these areas and really truly commit to them, I believe that having a solid roadmap planned out that you can rely on can be incredibly helpful. Plus, it can help you learn a lot about yourself on the process. In my case, I feel it really serves me as a reminder of where I'm headed. You know, what's my North Star? It gives me a sense of direction. It also helps me stay more consistent and aligned with the type of life I want to create for myself and gives me a feeling of progress. Because I don't know about you, but having so many things I want to do and where I want to invest my time and energy in, my brain can really go into overwhelm sometimes. So if I've got no structure, it just doesn't happen. I become dispersed and a little frustrated at times, I'd even say. And that's why I think that New Year's resolution kind of suck. Because anyone can make a list of goals at the beginning of the year. But the real issue is actually sticking to them. From the 41% of Americans who make New Year's resolutions, did you know that only 9% were successful in keeping them? I don't have any stats for Europe, but I believe it doesn't differ much from that. In fact, when I recently asked you guys if you easily sticked to your New Year's resolutions or if you had trouble keeping up with them, 67% of you said that you felt shaky or struggled to stick to them or achieve them. And I am not surprised. New Year's resolutions are just not sticky because they lack a whole support system around them. Without a clear plan and system in place, I feel it's so easy to fall back into old patterns. We get distracted and lose focus and consistency on working towards our goals. And you know, just sometimes end up having crazy sleeping schedules, not eating well, not investing enough time in our passion projects, and so on. And then we beat ourselves up and we're stuck in this negative spiral that takes us absolutely nowhere. So, if you can relate, I say, why don't we change that around once and for all? In this episode, I invite you to sit down with a cup of coffee, your favorite digital or analog planner, maybe some music, and join me as we plan our best year yet. That reminds me that I've got some additional goodies to give you a little extra push on your journey. I've left everything you need linked down on the show notes. These worksheets are completely free for you to have a more clear structure and starting point. From a Notion template that you can easily copy paste and make your own to some support articles with great app suggestions that are going to help you stay consistent and keep yourself accountable throughout the year. That means I'm not just showing you the way, but I'm also giving you some actionable tools to help you walk it. So. Now that all the essentials are covered, let's dive straight into it. First things first, why don't New Year's resolutions cut it anymore and how do systems fix those flaws? In essence, New Year's resolutions is just a different name for goals. 
with the only difference that they are set during late December or beginning of January, you know, fueled by the added burst of hope and motivation we usually get with the prospect of a fresh beginning in a blank slate. I think they invite us to look at our lives and reflect on the things that we'd like to improve, the things we're missing, or the things we'd like to leave behind. Something that a lot of people don't do very frequently anyways. So I guess it's kind of cool that at least once a year there's this extended practice to collectively reevaluate our habits, behaviors, and priorities and think about which direction we'd like our life to take or if we need to calibrate in any way. What's the problem then with New Year's resolutions? Well, I think they're often superficial, vague, and that there's often no real reflective process or intention to them. What I mean by that is that some people will come up with things like, uh, I want to lose weight, or I want to have a healthier diet, or I want to cut back expenses, I want to travel more. But my questions to those would be, mm, why? First of all, I think without a clear picture in mind of why you are choosing to chase those goals, it will be very difficult to make sense of the process to reach them and stick to them. But anyways, we'll get to that in a minute. But then besides why, I'd also ask things like, how much weight? What is a healthy diet? Or more specifically, what is a healthy diet for you and your type of lifestyle? What do you think is currently preventing you from having a healthy diet? For example, why do you want to cut back expenses and how much is enough? Why do you want to travel more? Where to? How often? What are the aspects of traveling that are so appealing to you? You know, all these things. What I mean is that there's so much more layers to these New Year's resolutions that are completely overlooked. And I think it's actually in those deeper layers where the real value of this practice is. The way I see it, the New Year's resolutions, for example, the popular losing weight, is the outcome, the result, the top of the pyramid or mountain you want to reach. But that pyramid, without a solid base and a solid structure, is going to easily crumble. And that's what happens to so many of us a few months in. When frustrated, we realize we've fallen back into old patterns and have not been able to stay consistent with our New Year's resolution. Because New Year's resolutions or goals are nothing more than a byproduct of the actions that we consistently take. Our repeated micro-decisions and behaviors day in, day out, which are also known as habits <laughs> and the thing with habits is that we have to see them as a practice a little bit like a ritual and the best way to incorporate those positive rituals or practices into our lives is by building systems around them systems will be the infrastructure and pillars that hold your pyramid together and keep it solid making it much more difficult to crumble Whereas New Year's resolutions are not sticky because they lack all of these supporting elements around them that systems have. So, now let's dive 
a little bit deeper into this. Let me introduce you to systems, what they are, and what's their main benefit as opposed to goals. The essential difference between setting goals and setting systems is that goals are focused only in the end result, in the output, whereas systems are focused on progress and the process or journey that leads to achieving happiness and well-being in the long run. So, whereas one focuses in creating a momentary change, the other aims to create a lifetime change. A good way to tell them apart, to tell goals and systems apart, is this. If you do something every day, it's a system. But if you're waiting to achieve it someday in the future, then it's a goal. The goal only cares about the end result, the performance, whereas the system cares about the journey, the process we undergo on our way to that result. So building systems, or said differently, building daily practices that you enjoy and that you're excited about, means thinking long-term in a sustainable way, which ultimately results in consistency. And as we all know, consistency is key if we want to achieve our goals. However, that said, goals are also an essential part of life design. They're great in the way that they set a destination for us and a good starting point to identify what our wants and desires tell us about who we are. But if we only think about them, about the destination, and forget about enjoying the journey, we risk feeling drained in the process, getting fed up, forgetting why we even started, and consequently giving up. So we could say that goals are the result-led mindset versus systems which are an intention-led mindset. When there's an intention, it means that we are clear on the why. And that's the fuel. The why is the fuel that will allow us to get further because every time that we're tempted to give up and our consistency is challenged, like, oh, I really don't feel like working out today, or oh, I really want to eat a pizza instead of this salad, <laughs> I don't know. We can go back to that intention and be reminded of why we set off on that path in the first place. Also, it's completely fine to eat a pizza every once in a while, by the way. But anyways, let me illustrate what I mean with a personal example. In my case, some years ago, I remember that my motivation behind working out was mainly to look good. I wanted to look better, get a fit body, and so on. The thing is, I really struggled to stay consistent more than I do now, because deeply inside, that wasn't an enough good reason for me. It was not a good enough motivation. It was much more linked to my ego than to a deeper purpose, whereas now, the force or reason that drives me most to exercise and move my body is that I've realized how important it is to me to stay and feel healthy, feel strong, have energy. And I've also become more aware of this in, in terms of the long run, meaning that before, maybe in January, I started working out because I wanted to look better in a bikini in June. Whereas now... I exercise and stay active because I want to keep this machine that I'm going to need for the rest of my life well oiled up. I want to keep it active. I want to keep it, you know, I don't want it to get rusty. 
I've realized how much good it does to my mental health, how it improves my energy levels, and how important it will be if I want to keep my freedom of movement and feeling healthy in the long run. And turns out that that's been a much better and stronger why for me, and therefore it's been much easier for me to stay active on my day-to-day. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is to be careful setting your whys and reevaluate them often because that's how impactful they are. Okay, now that we are clear on what systems are and what they're for, let's see how we can build our own. We could break down systems into four different layers. Intentions, mindset, goals, and actions. So let's start with intentions, which are the base of any good system. These, as we've just mentioned before, are the why behind your actions. It's an inward process linked to the purpose of who you want to become this year. So if you don't know where to start with your intentions, it's usually helpful to look back and reflect on which were the things this past year that you were most grateful for, things that you really enjoyed, things that you were proud of, things that energized you, as well as those things that felt like they were weighing you down and blocking your way. We actually went through this retrospective process in the previous episode of the show, which is uh, called Seven Lessons from 2021. You can go check it out afterwards if you haven't listened to it yet. And although we aim to live more in the present and not have our heads stuck in the past too much, when done intentionally and sporadically, looking back can help us identify improvement areas and learn in which ways we'd like to maneuver and change direction in our following cycle or in our following year. So the interactive exercise or activity for this part, um, for this first layer of systems with intention, is to take a moment to reflect in three words that you would like to embody this following year. And that can be really anything uh, from feeling confident, um, at peace, fulfilled, grateful, bold, healthy, safe, compassionate, thoughtful. There's a huge list of words that you can choose from that are the words that you would like to embody this year. Um, And that could be, that would be your purpose. Um, so if you're into journaling like I am, you can just like grab a page and write it down. I think that's really helpful. You just write down the three words, uh, that you would like to be. So it would be like this year I intend to be dot, dot, dot. For me, for example, I'm not quite done yet with, um, with this, but I think my intentions for 2022 are truth energy, or also health, uh, kind of synonyms for me there, and connection, which is also really tied down to presence. So truth, energy, and connection. So these are probably going to be my North Stars this year. So that is how I want to show up to anything I commit myself to. Um, With truth, so like making sure I'm true to myself, 
that I'm intentional with the things I'm doing, that I'm not forcing myself into situations um, with energy as well. So I want to frame my day-to-day in a way that is um, that takes into account my energy. And I want to sort of program my days and the things that I do uh, in a way that's going to support my energy levels and improve my energy levels. Um, so that can go for anything from like my nutrition, uh, moving my body, the activities I commit myself to. So if they're draining or uh, on the contrary, they they uplift me and they give me joy and they make me energized. So all of that uh, on the energy side of things and then uh, connected. I want to be present with the things I'm doing and connected. I want to feel that connection. And otherwise, I want to pay attention to why I'm not feeling connected. Because I think our lack of presence, procrastination, continuous distractions, and so on, can also give us very valuable information about ourselves. So I want to be able to call myself out on that and dig deeper into the situations in which I lack connection. Like, in relationships, in conversations, during work, um, and daily activities, and creative projects. Are you connected? Are you present? I don't know. These are the three things that I find important for myself to embody and focus on this year. But think about your own three words and set your three intentions. They can also be more, they can be less, but make sure that they are meaningful to you. So now that we know how to set our intentions, let's move up a layer and talk about mindsets. First of all, what is exactly a mindset? Why is it so important? And how do we achieve a great mindset that will help us be successful? In the words of psychologist and Stanford professor Carol Dweck, a mindset is a self-perception or self-theory we hold about ourselves. That is a definition that she gives and she has done extensive research in how people's mindsets can be a great differentiator for success. And I already wrote um, an article based on her research on the importance and difference of having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset in the Pocket Journal blog some time ago. So in case you want to read up on that, It's explained there. I'll leave it linked on the show notes as well. But in short, a fixed mindset believes that our innate abilities are fixed and can be changed, while a growth mindset believes that our abilities can be cultivated through effort, hard work, and help from others, which is a much less limiting and more optimistic way to look at things, don't you think? So... Basically, it all comes down to the beliefs we hold about ourselves. For example, I'm intelligent or I'm not intelligent. I'm beautiful or I'm not beautiful. I'm confident or I'm not confident. I'm creative or I'm not creative. And so on. Whether we are aware of it or not, these beliefs are deeply ingrained in our minds and we operate on them to go on with our daily tasks, with anything that we do in our lives, which is why they are so determinant to our success, whether it's in our relationships, in our careers, in our financing, in our creative endeavors. Cool. So now we know that. But how do we reprogram our minds then? 
The first thing is to identify your fixed mindset voice. Trust me, it's always there. Even if you think you have a growth mindset, it's there. There's a fixed mindset voice that's telling you stuff that's limiting you and it's blocking you. So take a second to think about how your inner chatter goes when facing a challenge, failure, conflict or criticism, for example. Do you like what your inner voice tells you? When you face a challenge, does it go something like, I don't think you're smart, experienced, creative, strong, whatever enough to do this? Or does it tell you, yeah, sure, let's just at least try. We'll learn something. Uh, you can do this. Um, you're more than capable. What does it tell you? What about when you face failure? Does it tell you, yeah, you already knew you were not capable anyways, you're a loser, and so on? Or is it more something like, hey, well done. This means you tried. Okay, we didn't get there, but that's okay because we learned X, Y, Z. We'll get there the next time. You can always try again. You're resilient and so on. What does your inner voice tell you in these situations? Sometimes you don't even realize, but it's there in a like, really back of your head subliminal way. And it might seem insignificant, but it actually changes everything. So the first step would be to identify which are the areas in which you still have a fixed mindset. And I think a great way to do this is actually through journaling. Way better than just thinking about it, but actually writing it down. Whatever uh, inner chatter comes up in your head in these situations you can just sit down and write it down in the moment or also uh, just when you're, some of these thoughts come up, uh, pop up in your head, uh, when a certain situation is given, then you just take a second to analyze it and maybe you just write it down in your uh, phone notes and then you come back to the same exercise and you add it there. So what the, what you have to do is just think and analyze that inner chatter that goes on in your head and write it down and then the next step is to take a look at it and reframe it so what would you like to tell yourself instead the next time that you're faced with a similar situation write it down as well in a column next to it for example you actually have a, a template to to do this to reframe your thoughts included in the notion worksheet uh, that i've linked in the show notes so this is the way to do it. You just write everything down and it's a way to see it way more clearly. And then lastly, what can you do to remind yourself to put this mindset shift into action? Because surely it's not as easy as just writing what you would like to think instead in a piece of paper and then bam, magically, that's how you think, of course. Um, our minds are always going to have the tendency to go to their old ways and the way they're programmed. So what do we do then? Well, for this to work out, it's really important that you have an awakened sense of self-awareness, which is why I'm always going on about <laughs> self-awareness and learning more about ourselves and being really conscious of our thoughts because we won't be able to reframe our mindset if we're not able to catch and identify these limiting beliefs that pop up in our head, this negative chatter, all those fears. Like when you're self-aware, you're able to identify when these pop up and be like, hold on a second. 
Do I really believe that? Can I think differently about this? And that's how you slowly start to reframe your mindset. So stay vigilant for when they appear. And then secondly, refresh your mind with it often. So keep your second column, you know, the one where you rewrote those fixed mindset beliefs into growth mindset ones and reread them often. Maybe even, I don't know, keep post-its with, uh, with those growth mindset beliefs or, or sentences um, in your working space or in your room so you can see them and be reminded that you have a choice on whether you decide to look at things through one prism or the other. So now that we've set our intentions and we know a little bit more about how our mindset works and where we stand along the fixed versus growth mindset spectrum, we are ready to set our goals. And you're probably thinking like, oh, thank God we finally get to the goal setting part of the process. It's the part that people are usually most excited about. But why? Why do our brains like setting goals so much? Well, it's because goals are a practical and tangible way to design and see our future. They're a part of the cognitive process of planning and analyzing. They help us in the process of visualizing how we are going to get from A to B. And our brains love that. Each time we engage in this process, our brains actually reward us with feel-good hormones such as dopamine. So it's no surprise that people love setting New Year's resolutions so much. Visualizing your next big destination is just energizing and feeds us with hope. So let me ask you now, where are you planning to get to? What are those tangible destinations that you'd like to get closer to this year? Write them down in a list, maybe even divide them by categories like your career, your relationships, your health, finances, things like personal growth, learning new skills, expanding your circle, engaging in new activities, discovering new places, you know, anything that drives you and anything that gets you excited. But before you go on, a couple things to avoid when defining your goals. First of all, try to avoid making the list too long. And I'm telling you that as much as I am telling it to myself. Because God knows I struggle with prioritization and keeping my focus and attention in just a few things. But let's face it, our time and energy are limited. And so we need to learn to choose where we are going to focus them if we want to see results. So that's just a quick note on prioritization, which is also a crucial element in goal setting. Then secondly, try to avoid being vague. Instead, try to be as specific as possible by attaching a specific deadline and measurable number to your goal. So for instance, it's very different to say my goal is... I don't know, my goal is to write a novel this year. Or to say, my goal is to have finished a first draft of my fiction novel by August and therefore I will commit to writing one page per day, for example. Or it's very different to say, my goal is to learn more about marketing this year than saying, my goal is to finish three marketing online courses on topics X, Y, Z by the beginning of summer. These are just random examples, but you can apply the same principles to your own goals, no matter how different they are from these. 
Because if you don't do that, if you're not specific enough, then you're just going to write those goals in a piece of paper and you're going to put it away. And then what are you going to do the next day? Like, how are you going to make that actionable? You can't because it's not specific enough. So that detail, that level of detail and being able to measure it is really important part of goal setting. And then lastly, avoid being too ambitious when you're setting your goals. So aiming high and being ambitious is great, but you also have to be honest with yourself and accept that there's always a couple roadblocks and obstacles you don't take into account at the beginning when you're setting your goals. So try to balance that ambition with being realistic. A goal should be challenging and encourage growth while still remaining attainable and possible. Okay, so now that those few reminders are covered in terms of how you go about your goal setting process, and now that you've got that list of goals in place, visualize it. Take a moment to visualize yourself achieving each and every one of those goals. It probably feels great, right? Well, besides feeling good, visualization is also a great tool to build up on that mindset that we were talking about before and push you towards believing that you are capable of achieving those goals. It boosts your confidence and trust in that dream and enhances your motivation. And just like any other exercise, the more you do it, the better and stronger you get at it. That's the magic of neuroplasticity, the ability of our brain to change through growth, practice, and reorganization. So as an extra tip here, and this is completely optional, but I do feel that regularly visualizing yourself achieving those goals can be extremely helpful at actually helping you succeed. Um, so here's two tools or exercises that I think can help with that. Those are number one, vision boards. And number two, scripting. Maybe I sound a little bit crazy explaining this, talking about scripting and so on. Um, you might not believe in this kind of thing. But I think it's a fun exercise to unleash and strengthen our imagination. And I do feel, for me, it actually works. Or at least that I get some sort of benefit out of it. So I'll explain that in a minute. But first of all, vision boards. Vision boards are a physical or digital mural of images and photos that visually represent your dream, your goal or that destination that you want to reach. So let's say, for example, that one of your goals is to live in a little house near the ocean where you have a small patch of, of land to grow your garden, or that you dream with building your own business one day. Or that your goal is to have your own creative studio. I don't know. It could be anything. Then you'll find images that represent how that would actually look like. And what that does is strengthen your imagination and your ability to picture and believe in the possibility of actually realizing that dream. And I find the best place to not only build your vision board, but also find lots of visual inspiration um, is in Pinterest. I'll actually be posting a short video with the process of building my own vision board soon. So if you want to get some inspiration on how to do yours, you can go follow my Instagram and Pinterest accounts, which I will link in the show notes of this episode. Okay, so vision boards are covered. Secondly, scripting. 
Scripting is a technique used to manifest goals by writing about the time after you've successfully reached your goals. So by writing in the present tense, um, or sometimes I even use the past tense, so as if you were writing from the future with your goals already being accomplished, not only do they feel more accessible, but you're allowing your brain to think from a winner's perspective. So it's when you write in the present tense, you're saying things like, I have, I live, I, I own, I share, and, and so on. So grab your journal and you, you start writing down a description of your life as you visualize it. And as with any visualization exercise, the aim is to be as specific and detailed as possible. And then you even spend some time to feel the emotions you would feel if you were already in that future state and you write them down. Like, for example, how do you feel when hearing the news that you've gotten that new job that you were hoping for? Or how do you feel when opening the door to the house of your dreams for the first time? How does it feel to sit in that garden or to hang up the phone after closing your very first client for your own business? How do you feel walking through the streets of that city you want to move to? Or how does it smell over there? What noises do you hear? Those are just some examples, but you get the point. Um, <laughs> at this point of the process, we've got a clearly defined destination then. We've set our goal. It's challenging, it's exciting, but it's a destination that we believe we can get to. We've visualized ourselves there, and we know we can make it happen. Okay, awesome. However, we also know that that's not enough, because in the meantime, between we're moving from A to B, life happens. Life just happens, all the time. Sometimes life doesn't follow our plans. We might find new obstacles in the way, lose sight of our destination, find anchors that slow us down and pull us back. And that's why if we want to move consistently towards the future destination that we're going to, it's also important that we define the daily actions and habits that will help us get there, while also being mindful of the triggers and patterns that might keep us from sticking to them. And that's actually the very last layer of our system or pyramid that we're building, defining actions and building habits. So systems are built up by the habits we've defined after aligning them with our goals, intentions, and values, which are the previous steps that we've been just going through. And remember, habits are those little rituals that we repeatedly do over and over again. And our true power is on whether we choose the ones that are destructive or the ones that help us evolve. And notice how I said choose. Because it's in that choice where this positive growth and transformation we're looking for is. If there's no conscious choice, no intention, it's easy for our minds to just operate on autopilot and go back into those negative patterns doing whatever is easiest or lowest effort for us. Which, as we already know, is not always, doesn't usually come with the best outcomes. So again, the key element in habits is conscious choice, choosing them over and over again on a regular basis. In the end, it's the, these small routines and behaviors will accumulate to produce incremental and positive improvements in our lives. And 
you'll finally know that you've successfully built a habit when something becomes repeated enough times that it becomes automatic, almost effortlessly. But building habits is, it's not an easy feat. It's more of a complex science, and I'm definitely no expert at it. But if I'd had to summarize some of the main takeaways and learnings that I've gathered after managing to transform some of my daily routines this past year and creating some new positive habits, they would be these. Number one would be fall in love with the habit itself before falling in love with the result that comes with it. I remember writing this down one day after coming back from a long run when I realized that I absolutely enjoyed the experience of running itself, how it made me feel, the view, the sunset in that moment, the music I was listening to, how relieved and de-stressed I felt. I remember loving that run and getting home and thinking, that's exactly what I'm doing this for. And I really don't need any other outcome to this besides that great feeling that I'm getting, that I just experienced. So with that, what I'm trying to say is that making the habit itself attractive to you, something pleasurable and enjoyable is the key. And this is actually really linked to our levels of dopamine and reward systems in our brains because dopamine levels affect our motivation. That's why it's not surprising that things like using social media, eating junk food, or taking drugs become such addictive habits. It's because they're directly linked to an increase of our dopamine levels. And dopamine is released with the expectation of a rewarding experience. And that is exactly what drives us to act. A feeling of pleasure sends the message to the brain that says, hey, this feels good. Let's repeat it soon, you know? So now that we know this, how our brains work in that way, we can use it in our favor to build more attractive habits that boost our dopamine levels and make us crave them again. So for example, if your intention is to be more energetic or healthy this year, to be stronger and maybe fitter, but you force yourself into working out in a way that feels more like a punishment, than something pleasurable for you, you will have an incredibly hard time sticking to the habit. Your brain will fight against it and present resistance. Contrarily, if you find a way to move and exercise your body that is fun and enjoyable, you will want to go back to that feeling as frequently as possible. Perhaps, I don't know, it's sharing some workouts with your best friends or mixing up your playlist with songs that you love listening to or a good podcast changing the route or scenery every time you go for a walk or run, you know, those kind of things. So that would be tip number one. Love the habit. Make it pleasurable. Make it something you enjoy. Then tip number two is make it crazy obvious. To make a habit obvious and convenient, you should look into two key elements. First of all, time, and secondly, place. Time and location are the most common cues for the brain. A cue is just the element that triggers a certain behavior. So for example, the alarm would be the cue that triggers the behavior of waking up in the morning for many people. But for example, also seeing a phone notification or hearing the sound of a bag of chips opening up can also be cues. The key here is that you identify and set cues for you that will trigger those positive behaviors that you're trying to build. And you can use the following formula to set the time and place for your habit, which is 
I will do X behavior at X time in X location. A bad example of trying to do this would be uh, something like, I'll read more next month. But a much better example would be, I'll read a book for 15 minutes in bed before going to sleep every night. Because there you've set a time, you've set a location, making the cue very specific for your brain. And after repeating it numerous times, your brain will start automatically relating that time of the day and being in your bed as something that should be followed up by the behavior of reading. And our environments are packed with cues that trigger certain behaviors. So if you want to change your behavior, you should be paying close attention to your environment as well. Start seeing your environment not just like a place filled with objects, but rather a place full of relationships. Your relationship with the couch, your relationship with the TV, your relationship with the fridge. For some people, the couch is a place where they journal every morning or somewhere where they usually read. Whereas for other people, it might be the place where they disconnect, watch TV, and enjoy Uber Eats after work. If your bed or your couch are associated to a moment of relaxation by your brain, for example, you might find more resistance trying to get a work-related task done there. So just be mindful of the environment around you and use it in your favor. For example, if you want to drink more water, make sure you always have a full drink bottle in your desk. Or if you want to read more at night, make sure your book is visible in your nightstand. Um, if you want to work out every morning, leave your clothes ready the night before. If you want to eat healthier food, make it, you know, easily available. For example, by always having some prepped snacks ready so that you don't have to go through the friction of having to chop and cut veggies or fruit when you get hungry and so on. So that would be tip number two. Just make it crazy obvious and convenient. Then tip number three would be start small. That's the law of least effort. So like the more energy it requires for you to do something, the less likely you are to do it, the less likely that it's going to happen. So it's easier to commit to reading one page per day than committing to reading for 30 minutes every day. It's easier to commit uh, to doing a short 15 minute workout every day or moving in some sort of way for 15 minutes than forcing yourself into a full hour or two hour workout each day. So when you start small, there's really no excuses because everyone has 15 minutes to spare in their day to get moving or everyone can make the time to read one page a day. And then once you've already gotten your brain used to that daily habit, that daily small behavior, then you can incrementally go up from there. So instead of one page, we do two pages or one chapter and so on. But that way you already have the advantage of your brain being like linking that cue uh, to engaging with that specific behavior on a daily basis. So, you know, whichever habit you're thinking about, try to start small and build up from there. And then lastly, tracking. That would be my last tip. A great way to get a habit to stick is to feel successful, even if it's in the smallest way. Seeing proof of progress is satisfying for anyone, especially when you can see that progress visually. That's why if you're trying to build a new positive habit, I highly recommend keeping a habit tracker to monitor your progress in a visual way. 
I think it's actually one of the tools that has helped me most in keeping up with the latest habits I built the past year, such as stretching and journaling every morning, going out for a walk before I start my workday, or making intermittent fasting a normal part of my eating schedule. So before, I would track all of these habits that I wanted to build on my bullet journals habit tracker, uh, you know, just making some X's um, on my calendar. But I've now transferred to an app called Habit, which I really recommend if you want to start tracking some new habits and behaviors and seeing yourself progress um, of sticking to them. And it's also completely free and it's super easy to use and set up. I love it. So I'll leave it linked on the show notes as well in case you want to give it a go. And tracking your habits and making each of these tasks as done on a daily basis can become a reward in itself and really help you stay motivated on sticking to that behavior you're trying to to make the norm in your daily routine. And in the end, you'll see that these little wins can go a long way. So those are some little tips that I think can help you in your process of building habits that support you on your way towards your goals. If you're really interested in this topic and would like to dig deeper into the specifics of habit building, I really recommend the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, where he really dives deep into this. But I guess those were just the takeaways that I would highlight most in my journey of building habits so far. So with that, we've already gone through the very last layer of building our systems, which was defining the specific daily actions that we'd like to commit to in order to support a lifestyle that aligns with our intentions, which remember we said at the beginning of this episode. Because dreams and plans are nothing without real action, which is why besides going through the theory of this method to build systems, I also want to remind you of the practical worksheets that you've got linked on the show notes which I think will help you really bring this whole episode down into paper and make it as actionable as possible so that you can apply it in your daily life. I hope that you found it useful. I would love to get your thoughts and feedback on the systems over goals method, as well as the Notion worksheets. So please leave a comment or drop me a message on Instagram. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you think that someone else would find it useful, then don't forget to leave a rating and share it with your network. That's definitely the best way to support it. Thank you all so much for tuning into the Grove Lab another month, and I hope to see you next month for another episode.